This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode, but I'm going to warn you, it's a long one. Yeah, but you know what? I, this, it flies this, by. This flies by. Yeah. It, we got Michael Ferreira and John Benest, principals at Urban Analytics. Yeah. And the topic is just what's going on. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe we should back up a bit. These guys just did their State of the Union at, at, UDI. at UDI, the Urban Development Institute, and they're fresh off this talk entitled what's going on right so we thought we'd have them on to to find out exactly what is going on yeah exactly it's based on a, a marvin gay song <laughs> no i don't know if that's a reference is that a reference Secret. well no is it is a, a marvin, reference is that marvin? no it is i'm just wondering if no. that's their title no I, their I, title I, was based on the marvin gay song I have no idea um but anyways it's a great great episode we cover everything we cover what's going on in the market now how we got here and then also what the future holds for the Vancouver real estate market. And, and these guys, the interesting thing that I found, I mean, Michael's been on a couple of times in the past, but really delving deep into the kind of regional dynamics, right. uh, a lot on rents and what's going to happen in the rental market. They seem to have kind of really pivoted towards uh, gathering data on rents in, well, in Vancouver. That's really interesting. What they buy right now and why? I mean, this is a it's a it's a great conversation. Well, Urban Analytics, we should say, is 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 the company that basically provides almost like the new condos, new product MLS to the development community. It's, yeah, it's, and they're and the data collectors, right? They're the data collectors, and they're doing constant deep dives into what's going on in very specific sub-markets. So not only do you get kind of a, a holistic market picture today in today's episode, but you also get like a real, real specific uh, deep dive on like areas like cent- Surrey, Surrey, Central Surrey, Surrey City Center. Surrey City Center. It's a long interview and I'm not making any sense. Well, today, hey, so they, uh, they just left. No, but before we get to this, we should say two things, Right. right? One, we have a couple of Vancouverism, Larry Beasley Vancouverism books left. A couple. We have a couple. Right? So I don't know how much longer this is going to go. We're still we have, under 100 we have, reviews. We have 99. Really? We have 99 reviews right now. 
Okay. So, oh, actually, no, there was one this morning. I think we got 100. I think we got 100. I'm not counting who's counting, but we got 100. <laughs> so we got reviews. You go over and everybody that puts a review in is, is going to get drawn once a week for a Vancouverism book signed by Larry Beasley. These ones specifically have some really inspiring messages. They do. Um, so how you get into this contest is you Google Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on our business page. You type hit review, you add a review, you get entered into the draw, and we will have a winner at the end of the interview today. Right. And then the other thing is, we got our live hangout coming up we November do. 9th. That's the next one. And and we still have the hangout that we just did a few weeks back, which is live on YouTube. So you can check that out if no, you want to. It lives on YouTube, it, but it was live. It was. Yeah, it was live. Now it lives. <laughs> but but we also, this is exciting, the one on November 9th. So next episode, we're going to be talking about who's going to join us and then also what the topic is. So we're really excited. It's basically just an opportunity for us to hang out and talk about the things we want to talk about about the market. And people can participate from the comfort of your own home. That's that's it. Come have a beer November 9th and uh, to be announced next week, the topic. Right. But and without further ado, yeah, man, let's, let's, let's John Benest and Michael Ferrer, this one's fantastic. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Michael Ferreira and John Benest, both principals at Urban Analytics. How are you doing, guys? Fantastic. Doing well. Thanks so much for taking the time today, guys. We've had, Michael, you on a couple times, fan favorite, and this is your first appearance, so thank you very much for, uh, for coming on. Can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves? Um, sure. Um, been in this business for uh, longer than I'd like to admit, because it makes me feel really old, but, uh, but over 25 years. Uh, the majority of that, uh, as a part of Urban Analytics, started as an employee and ended up purchasing the company um, and have worked on the development side in, in Metro Vancouver for a while. But, uh, but, you know, in general, love this industry. There's no better place to, to be in this industry than, than in Vancouver. There's never a dull moment, as we've witnessed over <laughs> the past several years. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even, even when the market is slow, it's, it's never dull. So, uh, so every day there's something to look forward to. And, and can you maybe talk just a little bit, because Urban Analytics is, a, is an interesting company. Can you talk about what you guys do? Uh, we monitor the new multifamily home market in Metro Vancouver, and uh, by that, we uh, track all of the new, any activity, any sales activity that's happening at any condo and townhome project that's uh, being developed, and we start tracking it right from the sale of the property or the purchase of the development property. We put the information into a, a web-based platform that we sell subscriptions to. We have three different products on that platform, uh, one being uh, one that tracks the land sales, and then we continue to monitor that property through the planning process. It then gets moved into our multifamily platform, which is condos and townhomes. And then we are also the only firm that monitors the new uh, purpose built rental market in Western Canada. So we monitor that uh, here in Calgary and in Edmonton, where we also monitor the, the multifamily home market, condos and townhomes. Excellent, excellent. And, and John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I've been in the industry for 15 years now. Uh, my start was working for Polygon Homes as their in-house analyst back in 2005. Um, worked with another developer, Mosaic Homes, uh, late learning the layout of the land out there as well, too. Um, two great veteran developers to work for. Um, then joined up with Mike in 20, 2010, I believe. Yeah. yeah, and then basically we... Urban Analytics, um, when 2010 was around, was kind of more... The, the company was very much consulting-based. Um, so a lot of our work came from developers who are looking to build uh, a specific project and they're looking for best-used recommendations on unit mix, pricing, um, that sort of thing. Um, the biggest kind of transition with Urban Analytics um, from 2010 up to 2013 um, was that we kind of shifted our business focus over onto a con consulting to a subscription-based platform model. Um, so that's kind of been the biggest change for the company since then. Why, why make that change to the subscription-based? Um, primarily, well, just to kind of take a few steps back, uh, Michael used to do this back in the 90s with 
um, a pre-technology era where you would go and you would take all the information and put it in a Microsoft Access database, and then you would print it out on a, basically a, a, a phone book right uh, size yeah. binder so it's basically yeah. as like thick the as old, those two books put together yeah, yeah. like the old mls right yeah yeah, yeah. i felt really high tech when yeah. i put it on a desk yeah. and, and sent it out yeah. to our subscribers that so ahead of the curve yeah yeah, yeah. but we're, we're starting to kind of see the shift in you know what our our clients were looking for um you know in addition to consulting services there's just a strong demand for having access to that information um just imagine being a realtor if you didn't have access to uh your mls platform and right. being able to search through sales listings, that sort of thing. Um, and there's that need for that in the new home market as well, too. So we're starting to kind of move into an era of um, I want this information and I want it now, uh, you know, with Netflix, you know, changing changing the game that way. And, and we, we really do think that's the case in the new home market as well, too. People want information and they want it at their fingertips. So um, that's kind of been the, the focus of our space is to really service our clients and make sure that they have as much information as possible at their fingertips. In a nutshell, NHS Live is, is kind of like the MLS for the new home market. Okay, right on. Yeah. Um, so maybe just to start, we just got the election results last night. We got a liberal minority government. Does this have any impact on the Vancouver real estate market in your guys' opinion? Positive, negative, not at all? Um, I don't think it'll have any immediate impact. Um, you know, I know... Um, Justin Trudeau introduced or suggested that he was going to introduce and implement a uh, a 1% national foreign speculators tax. What exactly that means, what it looks like, will be interesting to see once it rolls out. Um, you know, I think with a minority government, it'll be a little more difficult to get some of these, you know, if it's a more controversial um, uh, policy passed. So uh, I, I think in, in the short term, I don't really think it's going to impact the market at all. It's a little unfortunate for the Alberta markets. <laughs> right. right. Um, you, you know, I think they were really hoping for uh, that conservative government, and that's how they voted, and uh, just from the energy sector and, and some investment in that. And uh, so as a result, I think for the foreseeable future, we're seeing sort of flat conditions there. Right. Right. So... So very recently, you guys were at UDI, Urban Development Institute, um, and Michael, you kind of give a State of the Union there, or I guess both of you do give a State of the Union there, show up to their breakfast once a year. Um, this year, it was entitled, What's Going On, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is going on in the Vancouver market as far as you guys see? <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the presentation was an hour long. I think I had 95 slides uh, in the presentation. And, and that was really just a function of, of how much is going on. There's a lot to talk about in the market. Um, you, you know, I, I uh, started out the presentation with a couple of slides from the past two years uh, that sort of described what, what we saw going on. So from two years ago when the market was was really strong and it was really hopping, uh, you know, when I gave the presentation two years ago, I suggested that we were seeing a few headwinds in the distance. Um, and then I referenced a, a, a related slide that I presented at last year's uh, luncheon that showed some storm clouds on the horizon. I feel like that's right around the last time we had you on the show. Correct. I remember talking about the storm clouds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so this year I was trying to think of a similar uh, slide that would, uh, you know, portray or illustrate what was going on in the market right. this year. And the best I could come up with was a poop emoji with a storm emoji. <laughs> So you can figure out what the uh, what that I think translates that's a, to a poop storm. Yeah, that's better better than a poop and a, and a fan emoji. Correct. Yes. Um, so yeah, just you know the the presentation focused. Uh, I sort of broke it up into three different parts. One was the um, you, you know all the various government policies that have been introduced over the past couple of years and how those have impacted uh, the market overall in terms of of the taxes that all of us, not just foreign buyers, but a lot of us have to pay when we purchase a new home on the development side, uh, the taxes that they have to pay when they purchase a development property. Uh, they're treated just like a, a residential property is. So, you know, if you're buying a development property for over $3 million, you're paying a 5% PTT on that. Uh, you're also paying the school tax on that. You're also paying 
potentially the the empty or the vacant land tax, you know, until you start your your rezoning process. So um, so it's added a lot to the cost of a home for both consumers as well as for the development community as well. Uh, focused a lot on the the rental market this year because uh, again we see a significant amount of demand coming, but. Uh, nobody seems to be feeling the urgency to actually approve and get more rentals built in this market. And I think as a result, we're going to see some massive spikes in in rent rates over the next several years. Um, and then ended off with just uh, having a look at, at what was going on in the condo market, how all of that impacts that, you know, where, what the status of, of the multifamily market is today. Um, and, and again, from a supply perspective, you know, in three or four years, because of you know, the lack of new launches that we've seen for new high-rise projects in the market this year, I think we're going to be in a bit of a, a supply crunch in, in four or five years from now. Um, and then ended off with a bit of a, a wish list for what I'd love to see uh, happen over the next few years in, in the industry. Wow. So, so in, in kind of thinking just maybe we want to dive into a lot of those yeah. uh, a lot of those topics but just maybe as a broad kind of context are, are we in a good place based on all these changes and i mean obviously with the poop emoji and the uh, storm emoji <laughs> <laughs> i have a feeling i know your answer but where where are we at can you kind of tap into maybe just the current state of the market yeah i mean uh, you know i'll start and i'll let john give his uh, his opinion on this as well I, you know i think we could be in a much better place than we are currently. I think a lot of the policies that that government has brought in has made it uh, a lot more difficult to get projects built, to get um, to make projects viable. Uh, you know, the reason that a lot of the uh, high rise projects that were slated to come onto the market and start marketing earlier this year haven't is because of the viability. So, you know, revenues have come down. You know, we sort of estimate that that prices are off overall across the market by about fifteen percent from the peak of, of uh, late 2017, early 2018. Um, construction costs are still where they were. They haven't come off hardly at all. Um, the, uh, the tax load and, and fee load and, and development cost load on, on developments has just continued to go up. So, um, so it's really, it's made it challenging for developers to, to, to get projects off the ground and, and bring them to market. Mm-hmm. So. And what are you guys seeing in terms of and and jump in at any time, Trump? But in terms of so it's it, it's definitely more challenging uh, from the developer side to get to make the projects viable, right? Uh, in terms, presumably sales, obviously is a, is a key component to that. But what are what are we seeing there uh, on the new construction front? Yeah, I can kind of jump in here. Um, it's actually been quite an interesting market from the perspective that. Um, over the past decade, we've been tracking um, new home sales on a on a quarterly basis, and typically um, north of the Fraser location, so Vancouver, Burnaby, um, North Vancouver, uh, Tri Cities, they typically outperform um, Fraser Valley submarket sales wise, just based on their um, um, amount of locations, project selling, um, access to amenities, rapid transit, that sort of thing. Um, and typically, they are higher priced than locations in the Fraser Valley, like Surrey, Langley, Abbotsford. Um, and what we've kind of been seeing lately is a more of a reversal in sales. Um, more expensive locations, ones that would typically attract uh, that Chinese buyer, have not been uh, seeing as much positive sales uh, responses. Um, and conversely, we've also been seeing a lot of positive sales activity in the Fraser Valley. So, you know, especially in the condominium market where the wood frame condominium market where it's really affordable relative to north of the Fraser, um, you're still seeing a lot of mom and pop investors, um, young first time buyers just seeking that affordable product. So the past couple of quarters um, is the first kind of time in the past 10 years of tracking where we're actually seeing more sales happening in suburban locations, Surrey, Abbotsford, that that sort of thing um and where you know and we suspect it you know a lot a lot of it is due to the fact that um it's still end users who are are really driving our real estate market here and a lot of the taxation policies that were put into place over the past year two years um largely are trying to um really negatively impact the luxury sector of the market foreign purchasers um really purchasers who have been had 
the, the largest impact on the luxury and high-end sector of the market, which are typically locations north of the Fraser, uh, west side of Vancouver, downtown Vancouver, West Vancouver, um, locations that would typically attract that affluent buyer. Um, they're just We're not seeing as much activity there, and, and a lot of the demand is being pushed south of the Fraser right now. That, that's kind of an incredible or an interesting uh, component. Like we often think of, of uh, you know, well, at least when we're discussing how the market has worked uh, uh, previously, that, that, you know, downtown's kind of the epicenter. It's like the pond, you drop the rock in downtown and it kind of emanates out. But it sounds like if we're looking at uh, some sort of recovery starting now through the oncoming years, it sounds like what you guys are seeing is actually almost the reverse, that mm-hmm. it's going to be south of the Fraser that's driving that, that recovery. Correct. And, and it's largely, my opinion on this, it's largely based on taxation policies rather than fundamental from the perspective that, you know, downtown typically a lot of purchasers of new condominium projects there would um, maybe be from another country who would see that as a location to buy a nice pied-à-terre unit, right. um, spend four months of the year here, um, and then leave it empty for, you know, anywhere between six and eight months of the year. Um, that purchaser is really being attacked with the new um, policies, the vacant home tax, speculation tax, school tax, um, and others. Um, right. So they're not really incentivized to buy in downtown Vancouver. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of like that that buyer who's driving that is is not really there right now. I, I'm just thinking out loud with the um, w- like we look at sales ratios generally in the sub markets, and what you see right now at least is it seems like a lot of just local buyers, people that are moving through the market, either you know regular people, right? The families are growing or or you know downside the downsizing, death, uh, relocation, that sort of thing. Um, but what we see is we see a lot of pent-up demand and higher sales ratios in the lower price points of every market, right? So, I mean, it, so it, it does kind of make sense that in the greater Vancouver area where prices are, are lower, that you'd see quite a bit of an uptick. The interesting thing to me, though, is so is that where you're seeing a lot of the investment as well? So investors are still operating in these markets quite aggressively from the sounds of things. Yeah. And I mean, you know, investors will move around the region. And but at the same time, there's some investors who won't go to the Fraser Valley to purchase. So uh, and and, you know, we hear anecdotally that, you know, they're starting to pick up the phone and and call their realtors and, and say, hey, is there anything going on out there? Is there any are any deals happening? So the fact that they're starting to wonder maybe we're approaching the bottom of the market, because I think that's what a lot of people were sitting on the fence waiting for. You know, we hear that there's a lot, still a lot of money on the sidelines, and it's just kind of waiting. Nobody wants to buy before the market hits bottom. Um, now, having said that, it's always a bit of a risk to, you know, try to time your your purchases and getting back into the market on the actual bottom of the market, because by the time the bottom is apparent, it's probably too late to get right. the really good deals. Well, so. well, and even from a, I mean, two thoughts here. One is is with looking at sales ratios, at least in Vancouver over the last three months, it seems like we've actually picked up quite dramatically um, since the spring, right? Like mm-hmm. I think September 2019 versus September 2018 was up 47% or something like right. that. Um, so there's there seems like there's there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel, if just a little bit of light. But but one thing I'm kind of more interested about, and this is maybe uh, to, to either of you, is so building costs are, are high. Um, like we always look for gaps in the market uh, in terms of, you know, what's prices on the east side versus the west side or prices in Vancouver versus Burnaby. Uh, if, those, if those markets out there, like the prices in Surrey, say right now it's, 800 a foot or 850 a foot or whatever new construction is uh like if that is a robust market but there's still no sales happening in vancouver with the building costs and the costs of of the land like what happens there like what 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 does that look like um you know i that's where developers really are having a lot of conversations in terms of you know do we go and test the market today based on on where it is where our revenues are um you know i think a lot of them are going back to 
their uh, construction firms and and asking them to sharpen their pencils. Um, you know, the challenge is everybody's still busy. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's still building the projects that were sold in 2017, 2018. Now, you know, the more forward-looking construction firms and GCs are going to be looking ahead and saying, you know, if nothing launched this year, in a couple of years, we're going to be out of work. So, you know, to get this work, maybe we should sharpen our pencils a little bit, go back to our, our trades and, and subtrades and, and see if they can do any better on it. Um, you know, one of the other uh, elements of all this is the, the REDMA, the Real Estate Development Marketing Act, which requires developers to uh, file in an amendment to the disclosure statement stating that they've obtained their building permit within nine months of filing their, their disclosure statement. Um, so that's a really small window. It's not a problem when the market is hot, as it has been for you know most of the past 10 years. Um, but now, if you've got a 400-unit project that you're launching to try and get you know your pre-sale target within that nine months is pretty challenging. And that's mm-hmm. what's preventing a lot of developers from, right. from going ahead and launching, because it's a big risk if you don't get to that number and, and you have to you know, cancel the project at that point. And that's the primary reason I think that we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of developers postpone the launches of the projects. Mm-hmm. Just uh, moving ahead to kind of rentals here, your UDI presentation had kind of an interesting uh, kind of the geography of the, the lower mainland with the uh, rent per square foot that you could expect. Yeah. Uh, I was actually surprised at, at how high the rents were in, say, Coquitlam uh, or Burnaby, at least in relation to East Vancouver, where we're, we're yeah, uh, East Van seemed to to do particularly poorly on that uh, uh, from from a landlord perspective, at the very least. Um, do you find that people are are moving south of the Fraser or or further out in terms of renters uh, looking for like? It strikes me, I guess, to put it another way, it strikes me as Coquitlam's a cheaper buy-in. But the rents are higher than East Vancouver. It seems like there's a disconnect there. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Um, so with our database, I think just to kind of just for full context of the values in East Vancouver, a lot of the newer purpose-built rentals in East Vancouver that we're tracking in our database are typically smaller infill sites that are wood frame construction right. um, that are um, often built by non-branded developers. So um, in terms of the amenities that you're going to expect or the type of finishing specifications aren't necessarily as high as what you would see in a brand new concrete rental apartment building done by a branded developer. So um, I think in the case where if you saw our numbers for East Vancouver, a lot of it was due to in part where a lot of you know uh, projects in the Norquay area um, along Kingsway Corridor um, in a wood frame building um, right. may not be as high necessarily as what you would see in Mount Pleasant. If we probably focused on the Mount Pleasant area for new rental apartment buildings, um, they'd be significantly higher than what you'd see in Coquitlam and Burnaby. So before right. kind of going into that, oh, I just okay, wanted to okay. kind of give you guys a, a reason for why we, we have a little bit difference in values. Yeah. Um, typically in Burnaby, we don't really have a lot of new purpose-built rental buildings. So the ones that we're seeing are either located in Brentwood today um, or they're going to be located in other locations like Lougheed, um or Metrotown. And you're going to see uh, concrete high-rise projects where you're going to have awesome amenities in these buildings. Um, but it, it is true um, over the past couple of years, it's been actually quite um, quite impressive to see what type of rental increases you've been able to see in locations like Coquitlam, most notably in the Burquitlam area, uh, where, you know, having that um, new SkyTrain line open up um, really increased the ability to extract, you know, high rents in those locations where, Prior to that, I don't think you would be able to achieve anything nearly as close to that. So, you know, we're really seeing a lot of increases in locations that have access to uh, SkyTrain. And one of the reasons why uh, you can do that is because as soon as you're on a SkyTrain line, you can really start to offer a smaller unit mix. Um, Typically, if you, you know, you want to do a studio unit or a junior one bedroom, you're more likely to get um, really a deep renter pool when you're located adjacent to a SkyTrain station. Right. You can do these small junior one bedroom studio units and, um, and get a pretty decent rent for them. 
they're tougher to do uh, junior one bedroom micro units, studio units in locations that are not transit oriented. So those those buildings will likely want to have a more one bedroom, two bedroom mix um, that's larger and would yield a lower rent on a per square foot basis. Right. So really, it's SkyTrain is driving the potential for lower unit sizes and higher rents per foot. It's crazy. Like we, I was just out at River Sky the other day in New West, and I mean that's a prime example of like junior one beds, basically bachelor units, getting almost comparable to bachelor units downtown, mm. right? Like the 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 rents are astronomical, and so and I think that's an interesting thing because we were talking before you got here about the the differences in the areas. So I guess a lot of consumers or, or renters are after kind of easy access to the SkyTrain lines, smaller units and and kind of more luxury buildings or, or concrete towers um, with rich amenities. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? That's the trend for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I would say so. And it's, it's interesting, you know, you go to other markets, um, even Calgary, um, the amenity packages that they offer are, are quite nice. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll start to kind of catch up as our rental market becomes more competitive down the road. But Ultimately, young renters are really looking for a really convenient location to live, be it um, an amenity that offers social opportunities, opportunities for their pets, uh, fitness amenities, um, that type of thing. Any opportunity to um, any opportunity to do as much as possible within their own complex or, or living environment is is helpful to those renters. Um, one of the an example of a good building that we went to recently to check out was uh, West Group did a. Uh, a rental project in the brewery district in New Westminster and their amenity space is, is pretty awesome. Um, not massive by any means, but offers tons of cool things like a dance class uh, area, um, kitchen restaurant area, um, really cool fitness area, an, a, a lounge area. So I think renters are really looking forward to having that opportunity to do that in one building. Right. Yeah. Right. Just to, uh, to add to what John was saying in, in response to your question, um, on the difference between rents in, in Coquitlam versus East Van. The other factor there is what we're seeing is as new projects get uh, released and have a leasing campaign that gets started, we see rents jump up. Um, so, mm. you know, Coquitlam has had, uh, there's one project coming out there soon that's going to be, you know, 330 per square foot for a wood frame rental building. Wow. Uh, there's a project in New West that just launched uh, about four months ago. It's a tower. Um, you know, they're averaging about 355 per square foot, and they've leased up 200 of the units uh, that they have in the building. So East Van, we haven't seen a lot of new, new uh, purpose-built rental right. added to the market recently. We do a lot of, you know, a good portion of our uh, advisory work these days is for rental projects that are that are being proposed and planned and you know for for east van you know we've been suggesting over three dollars a foot for for rents for projects and that was you know based on uh projects that probably won't be completed for for three or four years and then you apply an inflation rate to that and it's not long before you get to to 350 or more a foot right um and and just you know one of the unintended consequences of of government policy you know this is a perfect example where a year ago uh the provincial government uh eliminated the ability to increase your rents by two percent on top of the cost of living increase the inflation rate um and so what's happened is is you know uh, building owners that are launching a new rental project know that they're not going to be able to increase their rents on an annual basis beyond the inflation rate. So they set their their initial rents. Yeah, they're not willing to take a little bit pretty of a high. cut, yeah. right? They're, they're willing to take a longer period of time to absorb those units uh, as long as they can, you know, assure themselves that they're going to get a higher rent. So, so you know, again, you know, it was meant to make things more affordable, but for new rentals, it's actually making them more expensive. Right. That's interesting. It seems like the... Uh, just as a general, at least my kind of mental imagery of of the taxation, the impact of all these new taxes is kind of a flattening of the market, right? That there's not the gradations of kind of the like rental prices are are all coming closer together, um, and on and even on geographically uh, and on prices in terms of what people are paying uh, in the resale market, prices are coming together as well yeah. right like that's the dustin woodhouse he said that a long time ago on this show but that soon enough everything's going to be a million dollars yeah like yeah. whether it's like a, a a one bedroom in coquitlam or yeah one bedroom downtown yeah. they'll both be a million dollars um well, well I'm, I'm curious about rents and where we're heading uh, as well because i mean obviously that's not great news for tenants 
Um, but you can imagine that it, it, like rents in the next one, three, five years are probably trending upwards. Yes. It sounds that way, right? You just mentioned as we get more competitive, which, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The, the lack of, when you have people moving here and the job market being as strong as it is and improving, um, and that continues to happen and we have a lack of purchasing, then that just results in more renting. So, um, you know, our, our vision for the future is, is, you know, in absence of a, a, an abundance of supply coming to the market in the next two to three years, which we're not necessarily seeing. If you look downtown, um, you look at how many cranes um, that are being, um, you know, that are up there for residential construction. There's really not that many. Um, the majority of them are for office, which um, ultimately results in more jobs in downtown. Um, so, you know, we see a rental market, especially near downtown, um, you know, going up significantly. Um, you know, one of the things that we're telling people is don't be surprised to see significant increases in rents in and around downtown Vancouver within the next four or five years as a result of a lot of these um, tech jobs coming to the area um, and a lack of new housing built around the area to support those jobs. Typically, a lot of these workers um, who are coming in, maybe if they're from other countries, um, working for Apple, Amazon, that sort of thing, um, they're not necessarily going to buy a new home in their first two years of living here. They'll typically want to rent. And these types of people will often want to, um, they'll want to live fairly close to where they work. Um, so, you know, our, our prediction is, is quite drastic rental increases over the next three to five years. Um, you know, that could change if we built more to accommodate for these people, but we just don't see it in, at least in what we're tracking right now. It's it's funny because I mean a lot of people have been targeting like buildings like Spectrum and its proximity to um, obviously the new Amazon location, but you can imagine how downtown rents would increase with the amount of of new jobs coming to the downtown area, right? I yeah. mean everybody wants to be close to close to work for sure. Yeah. So one of the things I presented in my in my UDI presentation was uh, looking at the downtown office market. So there's almost four million square feet of office space that's under construction right now. Sixty percent um, uh, of that has been pre-leased. Uh, I think it's fifty nine percent. So call it sixty. Seventy uh, percent of those leases are by new users. So it's not a firm that's in another building that's moving over to right. this space. These are new users that are coming in, and they're bringing either hiring workers here, of which there aren't a ton given our our unemployment rate, uh, or they're bringing workers into the market. So, uh, you know, that was just one of the demand elements that that I presented that was going to be putting pressure on the rental market, and and something that that people forget because, you know, I know we have some councillors on, on the City of Vancouver Council and uh, and in other municipalities that, you know, that they're suggesting that all this new rental is too expensive. Well, what happens is, yes, that rental is expensive because it has to be. It It's expensive to build. You add on all the fees and charges that a developer has to pay to get it built. You know, the GST that they have to pay on it, which is ridiculous. There's a promise that Justin Trudeau didn't keep in his last right. campaign. Um but but those buildings fill up. So the people that fill up those buildings are typically people that were renting an older, cheaper rental product anyway. So if you're building that newer, more expensive product, you're relieving the pressure on some of the, the older, lower cost housing stock, which, which opens it up to people who can't afford that new that mm-hmm. new product. So the bottom line is, you, you know, um, you know, again, to put it in perspective, the um, we currently have in our database, I think about 6,300 units, rental units being contemplated. So going through the planning process, some hasn't even been applied for. It's just being contemplated at this point. So 6,300 units. Uh, Andre Pavlov, the uh, economic professor from the BD School of Business at SFU, uh, he recently gave a presentation where he suggested that we need uh, 7,000 new rental units just to reach 3% vacancy. So we don't even have that many being proposed at this point in right. the region. So that just shows you how, how far we have to go. And, and that's why, as John was referencing earlier, we see some, some really increased pressure on, on rents rising even further than they have. Any, any projections in terms of where we might be in three years, five years? On a price per square foot? I, I mean, you know, downtown we're now pushing 450 a foot. Um, you know, I, I, I can see us getting to five fifty six bucks a foot if, if this pressure oh. continues. At some point, there's, you know, that, that sort of um, that point where people say, okay, it's, it's actually cheaper to buy. So sure. I'm going to buy. Um, where that point is, you know, we don't know at this point. Right. But, 
Well, I, right now, I think actually, if you if you consider the mortgage paydown with if you, and you have the, the down payment, in a lot of cases, it it's a no brainer to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just where rents are. Yeah. But, well, and that's I think why you see in terms of sales ratios right now under seven hundred k downtown, like it's pretty robust market. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. The other consideration for a lot of these new tech workers that are coming in, if they're from out of the country, they're classified as a foreign buyer. So right. they're paying 20% to buy a condo anyway. So right. they're going to, you know, the majority of them are going to rent. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe switching gears a little bit, I was struck by you. You also had a, a, a map um, in which you showed kind of at the peak what the pricing was and and now what the pricing is and there had been significant declines um one thing that uh well maybe i'll put it to you guys which areas have suffered the most uh in this downturn um you know i think can be corridor anything that's that's more oriented towards luxury product mm-hmm. um that's where we've seen the biggest hit now having said that you know um some of the prices that that were shown on the slide of of where the market is today were a bit of a guess because we haven't seen any new project launch on the Camby corridor, for instance, for for several months. Right. Um, you know, downtown we haven't seen a launch. Well, we saw one tower launch there this year. That um, you know the response has been you know less than impressive. Um, so it's it's tough to know exactly where the market is in some of these areas. But I would suggest you know. You know, again, the the reverse geographic recovery, uh, the closer to the core, has probably suffered more mm-hmm. than than moving out to the suburbs. One thing that struck me was that it looks like North Van Lower Lonsdale is uh, it just jumped out at me. It was eleven hundred a foot at the peak. It's eleven hundred a foot now. Whereas, say, Burnaby was twelve hundred at the peak and nine eighty, I think now. Like North Van seems to have, if if I'm. <laughs> Uh, it seems to have weathered the storm uh, quite well. Yeah, some of that is a function of of who the buyers are. So Burnaby, for instance, Metrotown, Brentwood, they attracted a lot of investor buyers, um, Mm. you know, non-Caucasian investor buyers. North Van has never been a strong market for the Asian buyer, the Asian investor. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, because that that segment of the market, uh, you know, never really was a big part of of the buyer groups that were attracted to product there that market hasn't suffered as much as as some products that or some areas that attracts that buyer profile so in other words i guess kind of the 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 local end user markets are the ones that have kind of weathered the storm the best is that absolutely yeah correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so i i have a i have a question here uh any investor listening to this would listen to this idea where you guys see rents going, right? And it seems pretty exciting from from the perspective of a landlord, not mm-hmm. saying anything about the city or, or the renters or anything else. Uh, we'll leave that for somebody else. But from the perspective of a landlord, it seems very exciting. Um, yet we're, I still have this the poop storm emoji in, in my in my mind here. What What is to come uh, in terms of the actual the the market here in terms of new construction and sales and say you know really 2020 and then and and beyond i take a crack at that yeah um we're we're probably going to see a lot of um developers bring product to market where they've bought the land three to five and beyond years ago where the land base was, um, the price of that was low enough such that they can afford to bring their prices down and still make a profit. Um, so we're actually going to likely see a lot of launches where where that's going to happen. Um, and we're going to see some positive responses to the market um, there. Um, an example was uh, uh, Vesta Properties uh, launched a, a, a condo development in Langley uh, this past weekend, and we're hearing anecdotally that they've sold over 60 units this past weekend, um, you know, where this is a site that was purchased a while back. So, um, you know, developers who have bought land a while back, they should be okay, and they'll be the ones bringing product to market. And the ones that can bring the product at prices that are attractive to buyers will do well. Um, the challenge is those projects and developers where they bought the land maybe one, two, three years ago mm-hmm. up to that point. Um, that's where, you know, as Michael referenced, okay, they're going to have to maybe either test the market with their price and see how it goes or, um, you know, reevaluate what they're going to be doing going forward. So, 
Interesting. Are, are you seeing, are you expecting an uptick in sales generally? I, I think so. I think the, the general mood in the market is, you know, okay, you know, if there is that, that money that's been sitting on the sideline, eventually people want to put that to work for them. They don't want to just sit on it forever. So they're going to look for opportunities in the market. Um, you know, yes, there are some opportunities with some of the projects that are completing now where uh, people who had purchased them may want to sell them and, and they may... Um, you know, even need to sell them in terms of, you know, being able to get financing or, or that kind of thing. So, um, so there may be some value there, but I think a lot of investors are always looking ahead. So, uh, you know, some will prefer to take advantage of some of the deals that might be in the market today. Others will look at opportunities today that may give them an opportunity for uh, appreciation in three or four years when the project completes. So right. some people just prefer that, that difference. So I, I you know, I, I think the mood is just, generally improved you know i was saying at the start of the year you know when we were seeing the monthly mls stats come out and they were comparing to the first half of 2018 and i said look you know because we're always getting asked you know hey what do you see happening you know when do you think this is going to turn around and i said said let's wait till the second half of the year when you start comparing apples to apples in terms of market activity right especially on the mls side and we're starting to see that right the first half of the year you're seeing you know 20 30 percent drops in sales and prices from the same month a year earlier whereas now we're seeing increases in sales the prices are still off but you know and i think that's where you see some of the activity recently with even some of the mom and pop investors who are looking at it and saying you know now's a pretty good opportunity there's some good selection out there there's not a ton of urgency prices have come off by that much uh, but there's still some decent supply and decent selection. So so let's go and have a look and, and see what's out there. And, and they're responding to that, as we see in, in some of the sales results that we're, we're uh, hearing about in the Fraser Valley and in some other areas. Right, right. Um, what do you see as anything, any events or anything in the near future that you see as posing a, a big threat or an impact to the market? I don't really see anything now that the federal election is over with. I think, you know, there was uncertainty around that. You know, elections always present some uncertainty. So, you know, unless we see a snap election provincially, um, you know, if the NDP wanted to to test the market and try to get a majority, um, beyond that, I don't really see anything significant happening. You know, the budget always present some <laughs> some uncertainty when that comes out in February, but you know, we'll see what happens there. And, and what areas are you guys excited about personally? I'm excited about everything. Downtown Vancouver, um, Burnaby, um, Brentwood, uh, they have a... Uh, Nanaimo and Grant? Nanaimo and Grant, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I didn't even realize what they're doing there is they're, they're, it's a four-lane street that they're actually changing to two lanes. I didn't even know, I didn't even know this. You know, what's, yeah. uh, you know what's amazing? I live right there and I'm dealing with that right now. And yeah. I've been trying... I know they were doing the gas lines a year ago, presumably for the increased uh, population yeah. uh, or... You know that was my assumption, but they, it, Nanaimo's been under construction now for for a long while, and it looks like it's it's going to dramatically be transformed with all that new development there. Totally. So, so I think maybe you know thinking outside the box in terms of what you know cool could happen that could change the game real estate wise here is is Uber and Lyft. Um, I just want to see how that impacts. Uh, everyone's lifestyle and where they want to live and what's most convenient and that sort of thing. Like I think of a, a person who lives in the Grandview Woodlands community as somebody who can, you know, lift Uber, go places, um, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of excited to see what that's going to hold um, right. in terms of the future and how people are going to get around the region. Um, I'm excited about kind of all the new um, uh, the new kind of head offices, you know, Lululemon's going to build a, a new head office, um, the new hospital, just just new improvements that are going to help the region. I'm excited about uh, SkyTrain, um, new improvements to transit um, that are right. going to make the region better. So um, anyone who's living in those locations or has real estate in those locations, we're all going to benefit from all these kind of new changes and improvements. Right. And and it helps that the city of Vancouver is calming every main arterial as well, so moving everything. Be no from, cars. There'll within, be no within four five, lane. You guys are definitely uh, going to be walking over in a couple <laughs> yeah. of years, <laughs> for sure. Or scootering. Hopefully, yeah, 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 hopefully scootering. we get the scooters. Yeah. You'll be on your bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then I, I I have to ask about property types. Well, well, as wait, well. wait, wait. Did Michael? Did oh, you? Did you? Did you answer that? Yeah, I don't uh, think you no, you know, I'm I'm excited about um, Surrey City Center. 
Um, I, you know, anything that's in a transit-oriented location, as, as John says. Um, so I think Surrey City Center, what's happening there with with the university, with the employment that they're they're bringing, the tech jobs that they're bringing there. Um, you, you know, I think it's 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 been taking a long time, and from you know looking and driving through the area, it's looking a lot better. The groundscape is still a little challenging when mm-hmm. you're when you're walking around and, and you go to get your coffee at McDonald's or Tim Hortons. There, it's still a little bit challenging, but uh, but overall, I think it's improving and will continue to improve over time. I think the SkyTrain line that that they're taking out to Langley will transform. Uh, hopefully, they're able to take it all the way out to Langley, but that'll transform that area and that route. Um, and and we're already seeing that there was a, a project by Dawson and Sawyer that launched recently. Um, you know, four story wood frame project that again, right. you know, they were reporting. 65 sales within a couple of weeks of launching. And that's a five minute walk from the future SkyTrain station. Um, so there's lots happening there. Um, you know, I live in, in the district of North Van. I'm super excited about what's happening in the city of North Van. Um, you know, the district of North Van is a, is a basket case for the next while until, until we get a change in council or a change in attitude by the current council. But the city of North Van, if, if you haven't been down to the shipyards, lately and and it's it's amazing it's a destination now. right yeah. so you know friday nights in the summer when they have their food truck festivals and now they've got the new shipyards building that's open new hotel new restaurants that are opening up it's it's just an amazing place to go and visit. it is i think that's why it's still 1100 a foot right like yeah. anyone who hasn't been down there for a while it's like wow this is a great great spot yeah and it's interesting we hear from the the salespeople that are selling those projects is that um, a lot of their buyers are a fair number of their buyers are actually coming from West Van, which mm-hmm. would have been unheard of before. It was like, you know, somebody from Caresdale thinking about moving east of Camby. Uh, it right, just right, would right. never happen before, right? right? So uh, whereas now you're, you're actually seeing because of the lack of any options, uh, reasonable options in, in West Van for downsizing, right. they're looking at Lower Lonsdale and saying, hey, this is actually pretty nice down here. Yeah, if you don't want to live in a 1970s building. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So maybe just before we get the property types, just because there was two very uh, different answers there. Uh, if, say, you had up to a million dollars to invest right now, two questions for both of you. North of the Fraser or south of the Fraser? And would you buy now or nine months from now? It's like a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to cheat. Okay. I'm going to say if you were to buy now, I'd buy south of the Fraser. Um, but I'd, I'd, my preference, because I live north of the Fraser, and I'm an investor, and I just want to keep my rental properties closer to where I live, right. uh, I would say north of the Fraser. Vancouver. <laughs> no, series great. It's you know the fa- the the if you have a million dollars and you put it in something, it's better than nothing. Yeah. So no matter where you put it, it's going to be good for you. So sometimes you, you get asked that question, you know, oh, is this better than that? Um, the process of just doing it and investing, even if it's in Richmond or Burnaby or Surrey, if you kind of continue to do that, it'll it'll work out for you in in this area. I think so. I, I like Vancouver. Um, but I also like those other locations. I like Surrey. I like North Vancouver, Burnaby, everything. So, um, and nine months from now, nine months from now. Interesting. Very interesting. Vancouver, nine months from now. Huh? I, I actually, we, we've talked a lot on this show about just Vancouver right now with a little bit of downward pressure on pricing. There's some great opportunities in the city of Vancouver to get into the condo market at comparable price points further out. Why not Vancouver? It kind of seems you know, in a lot of cases. Yeah. If I the mean, product's I've, good. I've been telling people, as I've said, you know, who ask, oh, when is a good time to buy? Now is the best time we've had to buy and get into the market for the past five or six years. Sure. Um, you know, you've got way more selection. You've got competing projects on the market. You can take your time and go and look at different projects that are out there and, and make an informed decision. Whereas, you know, if you think back to 2016, 2017, where, you know, projects were sold out before, grand opening yeah and, right. and and you know we're starting to see a little bit of that now even out in the fraser valley with some of these recent launches where you know you're you're getting to grand opening day and and 60 of the units have already sold so um so you know i think there's a lot of opportunities both on the new home side and, and on the resale side. and these in so we've seen uh sales volume increase prices have remained relatively static for the last month or two mm-hmm. uh do you guys see any further softening on the prices 
Uh, you know, I think the the luxury sector of the market, just because we haven't seen anything launch there right. for for such a long time, I think there could be some some further softening there. I think any any area where we haven't seen a launch for a while is is probably the those areas that you're probably going to see some some softening in prices when the next projects come out. Right. And and it just uh, want to touch on property types. Is there a is there a property type that that you guys are excited about? And I got I guess this is, this is this is <laughs> I, resi- no I no for me residential is what I know so it's more about you know focusing on what you what you know and what you can be your core expertise right um, in Vancouver it's actually you know you know when the residential market's been down the big the big uh, uh, investor market actually that's been hot right now is is light industrial or office industrial in Mount Pleasant. It's been sure. one of the hottest markets in Vancouver. Uh, I myself don't know much about it um, in terms of the space, so I kind of stick to to residential um, just because you know that you know you're always going to have a you're going to always have a need to live somewhere. So I mean I'm just keep it simple that way. Yep. Um, but uh, I'm always excited about residential. Like I don't I don't see any technology coming in the next thirty years that's going to make living somewhere obsolete. So right. And and just and not to put, uh, I was joking about the studio, but but seriously, what what would you be buying if so residential, anything from single family down to to studios? What would you guys what would you guys be looking at right now as the best investment? Yeah, the depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for capital appreciation, you know the taxation policies aimed at cooling the luxury sector have really kind of hammered that market. So it's really the best opportunity right now to buy something luxury, um, like a single family house. Uh, West Vancouver, yeah, yeah, fourteen like th- million dollars. <laughs> those, are, those are where the best deals have been happening. So really, you know, these taxation policies have resulted in this, you know, this side of the market cooling off and right. great opportunities there. You know, maybe there is a house that was you know, worth 10 million, that's now asked six. six. Yeah. So that's where you're seeing the biggest kind of downside. So from a capital, you know, appreciation perspective, that's probably where you're going to see a big swing um, over the next, you know, if you buy something at a deal today over the next 10 years. Um, but yeah, when it comes to, you know, cash flow return, um, great locations, smaller units where you have um, a higher rent yield per square foot um, and your uh, maintenance costs are, are, are fixed, um, that's probably where you're going to, you're going to kind of see the best return on your on your cash is is an opinion that I have right yeah yeah even and that's that's a great point about like West Vancouver but even in the entry level price points in what in an area like West Vancouver where you're seeing houses that you can renovate or view lots that are selling on comparable price points to East Vancouver it you know for a large lot mm-hmm. and it it blows your mind to yeah. see that right well and that's the ironic thing is is it's made really expensive real estate you know, more affordable for people who can afford really expensive real estate. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> in, in terms of all these policies impacting affordability. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really kind of interesting who's, who's benefited, exactly. right? Sure. It's, yeah. uh, it's tricky. Yeah. And, and Michael, what, what would you be buying right now? I, I would agree with John. I think it's, it really depends on what, your, uh, on what your goal is, if it's capital appreciation. As, as John was suggesting, I think you, you look at um, you know, what part of the market offers the best value right now. And I think it's the larger, higher-priced product. I would still be looking under $3 because I don't want to deal with the school right. tax um, or the PTT. Um, and then if you're looking to hold and, and rent it out, you, you know, I think, uh, you know, a one bedroom, one and den unit, a studio unit even is, is always going to give you the, the best yield relative to what you're going to pay for it. Right. Well, well, maybe we'll leave it there, but can't, we've got this segment called the five wire. We've had you on before, Michael, yeah. and you've, you've participated. Uh, can you guys stick around for that? Sure. Okay, excellent. Well, what is the uh, first question, Matt? Because I, I feel like I haven't done this in so long that I, I you're making me the nervous last episode. Here. But what's your favorite area in Vancouver? And we'll start with you, Michael. Um, right now, I'd say it's Lower Lonsdale in, in North Vancouver. All right, and John? It's a tie. Uh, Kitsilano, and uh, we're, my hometown now is uh, Ladner. So, oh wow, oh. Yeah, moved out there. Nice. Yeah, How, and and. That's sunny. That's sunny out right there. Sunny ways out there. <laughs> sunny, sunny days. Yeah, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, so great. Uh, favorite bar or restaurant in Vancouver? Mine is Tavola in the West End, uh, okay. on Robson Street, just uh, west of Denman. Right, right. I'm a simple guy. Bob likes Thai food. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
There's a new one in Strathcona Village. Strathcona Village, Village has a Bob Lake's Thai food coming up now. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever even actually eaten that. Uh, the one on Main Street, right? Main yeah. Street corridor, yeah, closer to Little Mountain. Yeah, there's one on Main Street and then one on Granville and Broadway. It's good. It's always packed. They're always busy there. It's it's good food. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, I'm literally forgetting our questions. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Secret. I think we've all forgotten them. Um, where is the first place that you bring someone from out of town? Um, if oh, they've I never know. been here before, I've got to take them to Stanley Park. Yeah. That's a good answer. Seawall. Seawall. Okay, here they are. What piece of advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Invest in real estate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the same thing, but... Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else. I, that, that would probably be, a, you know, for me, if you can get in as early as you can, that's, you know, you think, you think that it, it, it's not possible, but if you can get in as early as you can, do it, and your 40-year-old self will thank you. All right. And what is something you've purchased for under $500 recently that's had a positive impact on your life? Wow, that's a hard one. Um... I think we got to increase that budget because uh, yeah. we're getting like answers now. It's like pocket square. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a new iPhone, but that's way over five hundred dollars yeah. now. Like, <laughs> let's say a thousand. We'll let's bump say, it up. We'll, we'll do. This, we'll call an audible here. A thousand bucks. Yeah. You know what? I bought a new monitor for my desk, so I've now got two monitors plus my laptop. That's you know changed my my work life. You can't go back no, after that. No. It, it's it, amazing. It, I bought one too, and I just it's just is blank. I just I don't. You don't even. Use yeah, it. I'm the guy. I'm like you with ear the, the Apple AirPods. AirPods. I'm the only one who doesn't use uh, that. Like that doesn't rave about their AirPods. I think it's cool <laughs> technology, but I, yeah. I haven't used them really. But uh, you, you got one, John. Your, under, your, no, your no, 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 <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, something you bought for under a thousand bucks. Uh, the recent one is a, a Vitamix blender. Oh yeah. I use it every morning and it's, it's pretty, it's like an industrial blender basically that you have yeah. in your house. So yeah, we, uh, it's my favorite. We both have those on the counter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can literally get water from a stone. Like yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks so much for your time, guys. That was a, as always, Michael, and, and it's great to have you, John. That was a fantastic conversation. We appreciate your time. Yeah. And how can people find out more about Urban Analytics and what you're doing? Uh, just go to urbananalytics.ca. Um, NHSlive.ca is our, our subscription database platform, but that'll uh, put you in touch with us if you want any more information on that. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. Right on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Michael Ferreira and John Benest from Urban Analytics. Matt, I was taking notes the entire time. I've got my whole to-do investor list just listed right here. You know I'm what? ready to go. We I've filmed it, Adam. We know, we know that you weren't actually doing that. You forgot we're, we're actually filming. I wasn't even <laughs> holding a pen. I wasn't well, even holding a sure, pen. There's but I got a, mental there, notes. There's a lot. There's a lot to think about. A lot to unpack there. Oh, uh, for sure. There was. I, I feel like that was. There was so many takeaways there. So it was a great. It was a great episode. Yeah. And and, and Michael, past guest, uh, fan favorite, and and John Benest, new fan favorite. No kidding. I'm gonna, Sleeper. I'm gonna, yeah. He's, well, not really. I, think. I guess it's his first time on, so he's not. Yeah, asleep. Not really. Yeah, but it was. A, he was. It was very. He good. hasn't gone overlooked. He's now. He's just seen. That's right. Yeah. Finally, exactly. On the Vancouver Real Estate <laughs> Podcast. Well, what, what else? What, what else, else do we got? What else do we got? We got the winner of Vancouverism. That's Larry Beasley's signed book. Right. You can see them in front of us here if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, secret. Do we got a winner? And do we got a drum roll? No, we don't. Maybe not. Maybe no drum roll. This whole YouTube thing is really complicating stuff. The winner is Helen Chen. And we'll hear the applause from the live studio audience, and uh, we'll take it from here, Matt. Wait, what does Helen say? She says, so informative and actually fun to listen to as well. Relevant and timely. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Wow, thank you so much, Helen. Well, get in touch. We got a book. It's on the desk right now for you. And uh, congratulations. Yeah, Matt. And what else do we got coming up? What else do we got? We got our live event November 9th. Head over to YouTube where you can click an alert uh, within the last week. Ring the bell. 
ring the bell, subscribe, you'll see it. Uh, come have a beer November 9th. That's going to be a great talk. We also got VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. That's our website. You can head over to our website where you'll find resources like private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's the best resource out there, and it's available on our site. And really, I mean, we have so many accounts set up for... All of our clients and all of all of our listeners, a lot of our listeners have accounts, but we use it ourselves to monitor the market. This is it the is way, the best. This is the way we monitor the market. If you're not using it to, to search Vancouver real estate, you're doing it wrong. Also, spoke to somebody yesterday concerned about taking up our time. Uh, not no, a concern. Not a concern. We have all the time in the world for PCS. Yeah. You're interrupting. You're, you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs yeah. most, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. So so get in touch at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got the live wire, our weekly newsletter. We got the stats going out. We got sales ratios going out. We got deal of the month. We got assignments. We got it all. We do. All right. So there's so no reason you shouldn't be hanging out on our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, or our YouTube channel, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Oh, and we exciting. are also coming live from the Bento Box, we got to say. Um, and we're hanging out in the Bento Box today. RamyFilms.com. But the Bento Box is not only where we eat sushi, but it's where we film our podcast. That's right. And right. it's a great space. It, well, look around. Look around. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. If you want to talk about this or anything else, Give me a call, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. He's and if the you're, agadashi tofu of the bento box. He's the agadashi tofu. He's, he's also, yeah, head over to YouTube if you want to see what secret looks like. He's a little softer than agadashi. <laughs> no, come on. I meant in your heart. <laughs> Have a good week. Take care. 2,000 Faces for Radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs>